In this episode, I discuss metaphors and their relevance to your process of getting unstuck. I think this is a really important one for all of you stuck knots out there. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist that thinks the world needs a new paradigm for mental health. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. Before I get into things, of course, put yourself first. Again, there's not going to be any triggering content in here as far as I can tell, but just take a break if you need to. This one in particular, I think should be compelling. I think it should be intriguing, maybe smartifying, but not triggering. I don't think it's triggering. I don't think. It might challenge the way that you think about yourself or even your therapy practice and your own process of getting unstuck. At least I hope it does. I think this is a very compelling and intriguing discussion around metaphors and their usefulness in getting unstuck. I'm putting forth my opinion, my thoughts on the matter. There's absolutely room for disagreement and for debate. This might work for you and it might not. It might be helpful for you and it might piss you off. I don't know. This is my personal view of how metaphors are useful for getting unstuck, but also how they're a potential hindrance. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. So metaphors as a part of change. Metaphors just basically are a symbol used to reference something else. So it's an external symbol used to reference or describe, for, as far as therapy goes, probably more of like an internal experience. An example of a metaphor uh, from Shakespeare is all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. The world is not actually a stage. People are not actually actors. This is a metaphor to describe something else. And as best I understand it, this metaphor is useful for describing how we perform for others. That's how, that's my interpretation of this. You may be more learned on Shakespeare and have a more accurate understanding of that, but that's, that's kind of what I take away from that. By the way, on that note, follow me on Instagram for updated photos of only the happy moments for my family, only the healthy foods that I eat, and completely not staged photos of me uh, doing things like reading and drinking coffee. Follow me on Instagram. Coming soon will be photos of me working out and even doing yoga poses in front of waterfalls. So, uh, yeah. Metaphors are often invoked as part of the therapeutic process and part of your own process of describing as best you can your experience. A metaphor is not exactly a direct explanation of a feeling. Like if we feel angry and we say our muscles are tense, we are directly describing our experience of anger. If we say that we feel heat, we're directly describing our bodily shifts in being in, a, in, the, in the feeling of anger, which follows a state of you know, the fight state. Metaphor is something different though. Having parts is very common when it comes to describing the inner experience of yourself. Like part of me feels like, or this part of me fill in the blank. Other metaphors could be, um, I need to be the rock for my family, or I need to recharge my batteries, or I'm filling up my toolbox uh, with stuff that I learn, new tools from therapy. There's no toolbox. There are no batteries. You're not a rock. These, these are metaphors to describe something else. There are even entire psychological paradigms built from metaphor. Uh, internal family systems is one of them. Schema therapy is one of them. 
uh, these take the self, the entirety of the self, and break them down into parts like IFS or in schema therapy, it breaks it down into what they call modes, but basically the same thing. And each of these parts or modes create the whole self and can actually interact with each other. These parts or modes can have a, a role of feelings, experiences. They kind of have their own unique identities in a way as part of a larger whole. So the entire psychological constructs that can build up around metaphor. Metaphors can be really helpful. They are very helpful for getting closer to the internal experience. It's, it's a top-down approach. We are creating a story. We are conceptualizing what it's like to be us in whatever context it is. So it's a, it's a top-down approach. But this can actually reduce activation or help to create more feelings of safety. It's, it's kind of like a, a reframe in a way. Metaphors act as these cognitive reframes. So it's, a, it's this top-down approach to reducing overwhelm or whatever feeling it is that we're struggling with. It can reduce the activation of that and help to create more of a cognitive platform for safety. It helps us to understand ourselves more. It helps us to understand our internal experiences, which seem to have their own unique different parts. When we understand ourselves better, even if it's through a metaphor or some sort of top-down approach that brings a more clarity, like even learning about political theory, this is a top-down approach to having uh, information that can accurately describe what we're going through. So metaphors can do that. They bring a sense of control, maybe even a sense of validation or normalization, like the, the, the part of me that feels like a child in danger, well, it's, it's rather than just the feeling that's out of control. No, it's, it's this metaphor. It's this child who is stuck inside of me from my past, and that can help to normalize the feeling and validate it and bring this concept around it to reduce the, the intensity of it, to kind of deactivate the, in, the internal charge of it. Metaphors are really helpful for conceptualizing. We get a better understanding of ourselves. We get language for it. And, and so we're able to communicate that not only to ourselves, but to somebody else, especially when that other person shares the metaphorical paradigm, the metaphorical construct. So when an IFS or schema therapist is talking with their client and they're both sharing that metaphor, they can communicate on that level. And that client will have a better understanding of themselves. They'll have someone who is able to normalize utilizing that language, that metaphor of the language, or the language, the metaphorical language. So they'll have someone that can normalize and validate through that shared metaphor. Otherwise, if we don't have a conceptualization of what we're going through, it's, it might be chaotic. What we're feeling inside, if we can't describe it, if we can't name it, if we can't communicate it, it may become or may be very overwhelming, very chaotic. And so these, these metaphors can help to contain that potential chaos. Emotional chaos, I mean, uh, polyvagal state chaos, or what feels like chaos. There do seem to be parts though, right? There, there does seem to be these different modes. There does seem to be these different beings within us. We do seem to have distinct 
feelings that don't always jive. We do seem to, or we do have distinct memories that are hidden or stuffed down, we'll say it that way. We do have distinct pieces of our personalities that are not always accessible. There, it does seem to be, and it feels like there can be parts to us. And, and having those parts that potentially conflict and are distinct from each other, having just those can feel very chaotic and out of control. So if we have a metaphorical conceptualization of what's happening that can act as a, a top-down container to what we're going through and help to just restrict or even potentially start to alleviate some of the, the pain, of, potentially, of what we're going through. So it takes these otherwise chaotic or overwhelming experiences and, and really condenses them into understandable and even manageable pieces. Because once you have this metaphor, this, this psychological construct, these metaphors, now you can take it a step further and actually utilize these in a manageable way, these, these ideas. So rather than saying, or rather than living with uh, conflicting emotions, and wrestling with that and not knowing how to handle that, you can now say, well, a part of me feels this way and a part of me feels that way. It's a way to, to, to feel two conflicting feelings and to communicate it and to receive some validation and normalization from yourself, but also from whoever you're, you're communicating to. And then if you could take it a step further and assign like a role to these parts of yourself, what or feels like parts or seems like parts, and if we could say that one's a protector or one's a victim or one is a healthy adult mode or that one part feels like it wants to do whatever it is, now we're not only identifying I have two different conflicting emotions, but they seem to feel like they want different things. And so assigning them a personality or a role can help to further contain it. Because once you have a role or a personality or a way that they interact, you can take it to the next step of maybe identifying or feeling like, what is it they want to do next? What is it these parts need? Is there a way for them to communicate with each other? So we have the metaphor and we can take it a step further and actually do something with it. So having that top-down approach really allows an avenue for that process to happen. So I, that's the utility of it. That's the usefulness of it. I get it. Um, but are there actually other parts? No, not literally. No, it's just you. And again, I'm not really talking about DID, though I, I think it's a really interesting conversation around that. That's just not my expertise, so I can't really go into it. The experiences that you have, the feelings, the sensations that you have that we're referring to as parts are real. The feelings, the emotions, the sensations, the thoughts, the history, the memories, all real. I'm not saying that. But it's just you. So and this, again, this is how I view myself and my clients. I don't see my clients as having distinct parts that are worthy of their own role, their own title, their own feelings, their own history. It, it's just my clients who, who does have these histories or this history they do have these feelings i see my clients as a singular entity 
not as distinct parts. That's, again, that's, this is me. So for me, when I see my clients as a whole, we can, if they're ready for it, we can go directly at that. I don't need that top-down approach of conceptualizing what they're going through. In my opinion, what happens when we do that is it can bring us a step closer to the true experience, the owned experience of I am feeling this. It can help that with that. But on my end of things, the way that I work as a therapist, in my opinion, actually removes us from the direct and the true experience of whatever the person is going through. So instead of assigning parts when someone's overwhelmed, I'm more interested in what it feels like to be overwhelmed. I'm, I'm more interested in like what's happening with you right now in this moment, not what's happening to some metaphor within you, which again, uh, is not, it's, there, there is no other person within you. So rather than looking at this part and this part, what are you feeling right now? What are you in a very true and real sense? What are you feeling right now? If they can handle that. If they can't, the metaphors absolutely have a place. I'm, I'm way more interested in helping my clients to identify conflicting feelings and being able to sit with them just as feelings or just as sensations. And these feelings and sensations are they're connected to past events. Of course. They do have different felt sense experiences of it absolutely but there is a singular entity feeling these things and that singular entity my client or myself can experience both of these things without in my opinion ideally without the metaphor so there is a use to metaphor but to me it's a step removed from the actual experience now for some people that might actually get them a step closer but there could also be a second step here as well. You may recognize these lyrics from Rascal Flatts. Life is a highway. Well, that's one lyric. So life is a highway. That's a metaphor. Life is not actually a highway. But that's a metaphor for life. So that's one step. The second step is I want to drive it all night long. So we've taken the metaphor and now we're extending it further and building on it. Are we getting closer to really feeling what life is like for Rascal Flats? <laughs> I don't know. Or are we now playing around with the metaphor? Saying I have parts is a metaphor, but that can get extended to I have a child part and a parent part. And that can get extended to, well, the child part now wants to or communicate with the parent part and the parent part needs to do this to help the child part so the metaphor can get extended step by step by step and in my opinion that takes us further away from the true and direct experience but again this could also serve to bring someone closer to it who needs that top-down uh, metaphor that top-down narrative in order to get closer to their true and direct feelings as a therapist on mind of things or even for myself personally when I'm like uh, meditating or journaling. I'm far more interested in when someone says, a part of me feels like, I'm more interested in turning that into, I feel like, or I feel. A part of me feels like uh, an ashamed child or a shamed child. Uh, 
that can turn into, I feel shame. And I feel shame or the feeling of shame can be uh, traced to, yes, a literal part in the body. <laughs> I feel shame and I feel it in my stomach. And, and in that sense, yeah, that we are parts, I guess, although all of our parts make a, a whole, uh, but basically, yeah, we, we, do have, we, we do have a stomach that is a part of us. So in a very literal way, yeah, that part of me feels shame. I feel shame in my stomach. So rather than a part of me or a child part of me feels this, it's, no, what, what do you feel right now in this moment? When I think that my clients are ready for it, I redirect them to take more ownership over their real feelings, not to create another mental step. And again, when they're ready for this. If they're volunteering a metaphor, I, I'm, I'm not going to like talk them out of it. I roll with it. But there are times where I'm like, you know, no, there is, we can get closer. And I think you're ready for it. So I, I might challenge somebody on that level rather than creating that mental step. So when they say, you know, I have a child part and they're feeling whatever it is, I might say, you're feeling shame right now. You feel shame. And yeah, yeah, I do. They'll say, yes, I do. And then it's like, okay, well, where do you feel that shame? Literally in your body, where do you feel that shame? Or it could look like that. So instead of joining them or encouraging a metaphor or a mental construct, I'd like to see my clients get closer to their true experience, literal present moment experience, and to actually feel it if they can. Again, there is absolutely a usefulness to metaphor, but it is a construct. It is a top-down layer that might be helpful, but uh, I want to see my clients get to that next step as they're ready for it. So there's a use for metaphor. I'm not saying abandon it. It does get, it can get you closer to the true experience if you need it. But there's another level of your true and direct felt experience in that moment. You might not be ready for that. You might need that construct. But you also might need more safety anchoring to get closer to the true and direct experience in that moment. I have a course called Building Safety Anchors, which focuses more on bottom up, not top down. Although between you and me, I am working on a top-down version of building safety anchors. No timeline on that, but that's something I've been working on for a while now. But this one, building safety anchors uh, bottom-up, it focuses more on you know, teaching and learning and practicing. Well, I'm teaching, and the participants learn and practice what brings them to safety. They identify, well, how does my body feel? What brings my body to feelings of safety? And it's a 30-day course. Uh, there's audio, there's PDF. If you want to know more about that, head over to justinlmft.com. And it's really obvious you'll see Building Safety Acres right on the first page. But that can be helpful when it comes to feeling our true and direct present moment experiences and sensations and feelings and identifying thoughts. Staying anchored in our state of safety is absolutely essential. So I think Building Safety Acres can be really helpful for that. And, and I think it can help to decrease the need for that extra metaphorical cognitive step. If we're able to feel safe and maintain our safety feelings, then our need for that top-down approach, I think, diminishes. At least that's what I'm seeing within myself and, and my clients as well. So this, like, let, let's, let's broaden this. Let's broaden this discussion. What's the experience of being a stuck knot? This is a metaphor. No one's actually... A stuck knot. That's not a thing. We made it up. I made it up. And 
you took it on as part of your identity, I hope. What's the experience for you of being a stuck nut? Yeah, we do explore the internal world, but we don't actually have helmets. The title's not a real thing. But it also kind of is, because I did make it up. For me, it's about curiosity. It's about interest in the self, myself. Not in a selfish way, but just getting to know myself better. For me, it's a top-down way of keeping myself motivated to do my own inner work. It brings me a sense of exploration. Curiosity, maybe uh, brave, braveness, is that a word? Bravery. It helps to reduce the fear of the internal world. So it's a top-down metaphor or symbol or you know, taken to the level of this is now a piece of my identity, maybe. So it, it can be expanded, but it's, it's a, basically a symbol to help me, and hopefully you, reduce the intensity of the internal world and to become more curious about it. When I was working with my coach, we came up with um, a symbol, a metaphor for myself of being a tree. I'm not actually a tree. It's a metaphor. But the tree had experience, myself as a tree, had an experience that came along with it that I was able to feel and build on. And the image became not just me in a tree, but also me as a tree, but also me as a tree in water when the water was like rushing and beating up against you know, my bark. The water was rushing all around. And this was a very useful metaphor for me to further get in touch with my feelings, to explore what it felt like or what I needed to feel like, what I wanted to feel like in that moment. Because I wasn't feeling many of the feelings of being that tree. So it was an image that I could cultivate. It was, it brought, I brought this experience of being still, but also self-assured. And underneath those feelings, underneath the image, was feelings of fear and insecurity, of doubt, of overwhelm, of anticipation. So the metaphor gave me a top-down different way of feeling my feelings, but also opened up an avenue for me to feel new feelings that I may not have gone to. So it had its usefulness. But I don't need to continually work on the image of a tree. Now I know, oh, there's just feelings I have to tap into or I, I can't tap into. So if I just stick with the metaphor, I'm going to lose the other stuff, the internal experience. And that's my concern when it comes to describing ourselves as parts or child part or mode or this or that. It can absolutely be helpful. But if we just stick with it, I don't know how helpful that is. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's the purpose or the goal of internal family systems or schema therapy or anything of the like. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I know that we get excited about having these parts and being able to conceptualize it in new ways. But these are steps. These are mental steps, top-down steps to get to the next step of the direct internal experience, I think, as best I understand it. So metaphors can be a portal to the other feelings that we have within us. You can say a part of me feels this and a part of me feels that. but in my opinion, when you say, I feel, I think it's a lot more helpful. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you something to cognitively chew on. Consider my Building Safety Acres course. It can help you get to that next step of really feeling safe enough to feel what's inside of you without the need for further top-down metaphors. Again, they're not bad, but being able to identify, to feel, to experience your internal stuff while maintaining safety, Building Safety Acres can help out with that. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you've learned something new or gotten something new to think about to help you in your own process of getting unstuck. Share this with someone that you think might like it. If you don't mind, make sure you're subscribed or following on whatever platform you're on. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.